Hey everyone, welcome to the first episode of Bible and Breakfast with Basketball Dads. I'm starting this series because I wanted to impact coaches and players on a deeper level than just X and O's and leadership development. So over the next few weeks, we'll be having some great guests on to encourage us with scripture and share their journey of faith in basketball. Although we'll be taking, we'll be talking to many basketball dads, we'll also have on husbands, wives, reporters, and football players, you name it, uh, to tell their stories. I hope that We'll grow closer to God through these talks and continue to use our platforms to impact our sport. Uh, today, I'm excited to welcome Coach Pete Weary. Uh, Coach Weary is the national director for an organization called Nations of Coaches, uh, but he was also my coach and mentor as I went through college. So I'm really excited to to have him here. He was the first guy that gave me um, a coaching position, and and from there on, uh, you know, gave me a love to be a college basketball coach. So, uh, Coach, thank you for being with us today. And if you want to say a little something and, and maybe share a little uh, quick encouragement from scripture for the people watching. That would be awesome. Well, it's my honor. And Andrew, um, I'm excited for you, excited for what God's done in your journey. Um, life is full of journeys and um, not sure how deep you want me to get into this, but I just remember uh, we uh, somehow ended up in the same hotel room as you were playing golf at college. And I was the assistant basketball coach at the time. And I just remember, I think you were reading a wooden book and that began the journey for me to ask a lot of questions. Like, why are you reading that? You know, I just always wanted to coach. Well, how did that all happen? And then you shared a little bit about your uh, family and that uh, part of your DNA, um, uncles and so forth was coaching. And uh, from there, it's been a special time of building a, a relationship around basketball, probably uh, more importantly around Christ as we've walked through it. So Honored to be here. Um, Andrew asked uh, beforehand if I'd share something. And as we get started, I want to do this. Um, the last words Christ gave to us um, in Matthew chapter 28. I just want to make sure uh, as much as they're familiar, I want to read those verses and reflect on them. Matthew uh, 28, we read in verses 19 and 20. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son of the Holy Spirit teaching them to observe all things that I've commanded you. And behold, uh, probably one of the most encouraging statements we can hear, I am with you always to the end of the age. But the challenge I want to give this morning as we talk about being, you know, Bible breakfast with basketball dads, as we talk about being leaders and husbands and dads in our homes, um, and as Andrew said, he's going to have numerous guests on uh, that may come from different um paradigms. But the one I want to share is as a dad, as a husband, uh, as a basketball coach, which was my platform really to disciple, is the importance of that statement of go and make disciples. This morning, I have another call after I get off with Andrew, and we're meeting with a gentleman that uh, has written a book called Four Priorities, and that's his name is John Tolson. And I go through that book with a number of people. In that book, there's three things that that word disciple means. That, that word disciple is a Greek word, methetes. And it literally means learner, follower, and then reproducer. I look back at my journey, and I'm sure you could agree, Andrew, that, man, when I first heard about Christ, there was a major learning curve. Like, I was clueless in Seattle. I didn't understand a thing spiritually, like, Everything was new. I remember someone talking to me about uh, using the word saved. I thought it was a coupon. I had no idea what they were talking about. Um, and then that journey began. And I'll 
I, I was became a learner. And the truth is, even as a husband and a dad, as a believer, basketball coach, you never stop learning. You just don't stop learning. So that's one phase. As a, as a, a follower of Christ, as a potential disciple of Christ, you're, you're a learner. Second of all, then is that word follower. When you learn more about Christ, you just begin to follow this. And we've used the word a couple of times. This daily, hourly journey of finding out who you are. You become more God-aware, self-aware then because you recognize your issues. And we all have issues. I mean, we could have a live podcast and share all your issues, Andrew. We could be here a long time. Do you want me yeah. to do that? Yeah. No, I mean, then we don't want to go to mine because then, you know, People would already be off. So it's just crazy how much we have to grow and learn. And as as a follower, I'm just constantly learning my my struggles, my challenges. But there comes a point where you've grown and you recognize your issues, you recognize your failures, you recognize your need to walk in the spirit and your need of Christ, that you become a reproducer. And so I mean, even as I'm 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 on this podcast, I'm looking at you. This is what I think. Andrew's got to be growing to help Julie and to help his two girls. That's just how I, I look at life. Uh, right now, uh, I'm supposed to be impacting my wife. I, my, my two sons, one's in his 30s. He has two kids, a great wife. But I'm still su- uh, supporting them, still coaching them in the game of life. And then our son, uh, Drew, just graduated from college. And in this 2020 corona graduation time, there's a lot of questions going on for everybody. I want to give him uh, discipleship material of truth, not my thoughts. So that's, that's basically my challenge for all of us as husbands, dads, that we would be learners, that we'd be followers, and then we'd be reproducers. And one of the reasons is, and I think it correlates to leadership. One of the reasons, and I think that's why Jesus did it the way he did. And I think you probably heard me say this, but if I was to impact a thousand people a year, which is crazy, I'm sorry, a thousand people a day, which is almost impossible. You can't impact a thousand people a day. I did uh, a podcast with you. We had a thousand people on it and I really got into the depth of their life, which is impossible to do right? To really dig deep in. And I did that for 10 years. I would influence around 10 million people. And that's influence, not dig deep. But if I was to disciple you and then look at you and say, hey, you go get somebody and I'll go get another person, that exponential growth of two to four to eight, 16, so on and so on and so forth. If you do that for 25 years, uh, I'm sorry, for 10 years, you get 25 million. That's how crazy it is. Yeah. So that's what I want to do. I want to impact one person at a time and then impact them enough so that they'll go out and make disciples too. Yeah. No, I love that. And I mean, you know, you've been a huge mentor for me and I know for so many other, um, you know, players that you've coached and coaches you've worked with, but uh, you live that out. And I think that's an awesome trait of you and why I love you so much. Um, and I think you shared something, was it yesterday? And I've heard that you say this several times, but if you're not, if you're not growing, you're dying. And I think just being in that constant state of trying to grow, not only in our coaching professions, but as dads, husbands, men of God, all that, um, is something just to keep in mind. But that's really good. Thanks for sharing, Coach. My honor. I have a couple of questions for you. Just wanted to 
to kind of touch base on some basketball topics some stuff you do with nations of coaches. But one thing that I know, I, you know, I've talked to several, several coaches uh, the past few weeks, but with the coronavirus thing, you know, a lot of coaches, it's saved their jobs in a lot of ways, but at cool. the same time, you know, a lot have still lost their jobs and they've had, you know, the opportunities are slim. They're limited right now. So what would you say to a coach who, who has either lost his job and is having a hard time finding a new job or a young coach that's trying to break in, you know, a GA trying to find a position and the opportunities just aren't there right now? Well, there's two things I would say. You mentioned one uh, just beforehand. You said, hey, if you're not growing, you're dying. And I actually did a video for Nations of Coaches. That's probably where you saw it. And I mentioned that my son literally quoted that he was at Sanford and he was what's part of Connections when they have new students come in. And he was kind of doing a mentoring group, which obviously yeah. thrills me because that's what I wanted him to do. Mm-hmm. And he said, Dad, I, I got to be honest with you. I quoted you. And I was like, man, we're getting somewhere. Well, how does that correlate to what I'm about to say? Because with this year off, if you're without a job, the greatest thing you can do is invest in you to become a better leader. And it's that's discouraging to hear, and you've got to find work. But I know of a coach that – uh, went through absolute brutal time last year, and he spent the whole year going to numerous different practices. And all he did was grow himself, and he just got hired. Now, it's a tough year, and I don't know how you know, economically you do that, but uh, if there's a way you can grow yourself, I'm talking to a coach that was let go, and I've encouraged him. Uh, he was, he's a good X's and O's. He's good with uh, – understanding what to do in scenarios, um, but probably uh, lost some of his culture. And I mean, if you've ever heard a word in basketball, it's culture right now. Right. But he he'll tell you that he, he kind of lost it. And um, I'm literally watching him grow and we're doing some likely because this is the biggest thing for coaches that I see all the time. Coaches know basketball but the whole other side of it, the administration, the X's and O's they're good at, but putting all that other stuff, boosters, and that is real stuff. It goes on. That's always a challenge for coaches. So yeah. my biggest encouragement is stay in the race, but grow yourself. Keep growing you. You know, Make yourself um, hireable by continuing to improve. Sure. Yeah, I think you know one thing that I've I've learned, and obviously just being around different coaches is those relationships in coaching are so important. And I think you know we can spend a lot of time developing ourselves with the X's and O's, developing ourselves with that stuff, but kind of the behind the scenes work of how do we relate to our staff, how do we talk to our players, how do we build relationships? And I think growing in those areas is so huge. Um, I know for me it was huge, um, and I know you've had you know you've had the opportunity to work with a lot of these coaches, and you've had a lot of opportunities to work with players over the you know last many years. But one thing I think is so important. What do you mean by last many years? Like, does that make like, you just like kind of dead? You're old. You've been yeah, coaching a long time. I go with that. Yeah, you've been coaching a long time. So um, why you know you've always kind of been a father figure to me, just another another figure in my life I can lean on and get advice from, but. Why is it so important for coaches to be father figures uh, in their players' lives? Well, uh, there's a, a ridiculous statistic out there that 78% of Division One players come from single or non-parent homes. Uh, I can't remember where we got that. Nation of Coaches, it's about six years ago. Uh, probably came from uh, NCAA source. Uh, but just think about that. That's, that's just a brutal statement. 
I just talked to a player, you know, <laughs> two days ago I've never met. And he's uh, averaged about 20 a game, Juco, looking for a, uh, an opportunity. And so another guy that I coached with reached out to me. Long story short, I ended up talking to this young man. He didn't play basketball till his um, junior year of high school. Long story short is he's got some D1 lower looks and he's got some D2 looks. And I kind of encourage him, go, go with the, the lower level, but play at the highest level of that and really do well. Long story short is I asked him after 10 minutes, I said, who do you trust? And he goes, I really have nobody I could talk to about this. That's a straight up scary statement because, um, Andrew, I'm not sure if um, you recognize that even if you have a question, you could call your dad. Yeah. You know, um, if if I had a question, I, I could still call my dad. All right. He'll probably hang up on me because he's 85 and he doesn't want to talk about it anymore. But um, long story short is there's somebody that I trust. And coaches, that, that's probably the number one thing they could do for them is to be trustworthy for um, their players and for those sure. that need to be mentored. Sure. Yeah. No, that, that's huge. And I remember even just developing that trust. You know, we had, you know, so many moments. I remember sitting in your office, going through different things, van rides. You know, we, we were at a very low level of college basketball, so we drove the vans. Um, but those were some Who drove the vans? What? Who drove the vans? I mean, I drove them every once in a while. No question. We yeah. all did. It was like, you uh, don't even know if I coached basketball, if I was just <laughs> like a, a limo service at times. Uh, no doubt. No doubt. But those were, you know, some huge times to develop that trust. And I mean, even just thinking about that, what were, you know, what were some of the most maybe memorable times that you had where you had opportunities to develop that trust? You know, just thinking back to your coaching, maybe a memorable situation that you had where, you know, you always remember it. Well, it really began my first year coaching. That's when I realized that these were not players. They were people. Uh, if I was really honest, I got into coaching because I love to compete. And I really didn't love to compete. I love to win. Okay. So now I'm going to keep winning, I hope. Uh, and if we're not winning, winning I'm going to blame those guys and get on them and ride them. And probably not real newthetic biblical counseling going on as I start coaching. Mm -hmm. So I'm coaching, and there's a player that um, I'm coaching that's uh, probably about five foot six, five foot seven. And I'm coaching soccer and basketball. And we're playing soccer, and he and another kid have been going at it all game long. They're playing in the midfield, and uh, this other kid from the other team had a little chip on his shoulder, and uh, my uh, player um, could uh, elevate his emotions to uh, have equality there. A little little stuff going on when they're going through line, my kid goes to shake the other kid's hands. He doesn't do say anything. He doesn't do anything really bad, but he turns his head away from the kid and he spits and I see it. So we drive the bus back to school and I decide to just say, Hey man, what's really going on? So I get him in my office and we do this thing where I said, Hey, listen, I know she went through line. You spit. He goes, well, I had something in my throat. I said, are we going to do this? We're going to play games. You know, we're talking it and five minutes in, he's in tears and he says to me, no matter what I do, I can't please my dad. I mean, that's not what I thought we were going to talk about here, but that was the deep rooted issue. 
and he was obviously uh, mature enough to to get transparent. And it was probably the first time lo- somebody loved him that to, to not just say, "Don't ever do that again. I don't need you doing that. That's a poor representation representation of our team," which it was, but nobody really saw it, so it wasn't all that bad. But yeah. I saw it, and I knew something was going on, and then it opened up. And so that was 35 years ago, and we're live, and I don't want people to fall asleep, but I probably could compound and add story after story after story where something occurred where the pressure was put, and it's kind of the old adage, you take a tea bag and you put it in hot water, and what's really in there is going to come out. Yeah. And that, that, those, those memories, that's why I coached. After a while, that became why I coached, because we started to – when I say we, I say, I believe that's my wife and I, because we were like a team and sounds, I hope it doesn't sound ridiculous, but God, you know, yeah. I saw God work. Yeah, no, that's awesome. And I think I, I witnessed you do that on several occasions with players. And I think that that's what gave me a love for coaching too. And, you know, just hearing your why and the heart behind it um, is, is awesome. So, well, coach, we're finishing up here. Just wanted to ask you one last thing. I know you're, you know, you're starting to do some some leadership things on the side, some speaking engagements. If you just want to share a little bit about what your your vision is for that, what your passion is, and and what people can look forward to in the future. Um, yeah, well, I, I'm uh, gonna start something called Full Court Leadership, uh, and it's not just for basketball, and it's not just for coaches, but I would love to invest in uh, coaches, leaders. Um, and kind of just be um, kind of their life coach uh, to help them walk through the challenges that every one of us faces. And the funny thing is um, I've met a number of people that are doing this. And they've said, Pete, this is what you've done your whole life. This is just, you know, talking to people and probably more importantly, listening to people. I think you uh, said it to me the other day, and I think we all know it. Somebody that they could learn to trust and they walk through it. And after a while, after you're sharing, you know, you can almost counsel yourself. I just talked to a fellow that's a life coach um, in Colorado, um, and he's on our board with Nation Coaches. He said, sometimes I just am there to listen and people coach themselves. I'm like, yeah. But if you're in any type of leadership position, aka business CEO, COO, uh, human resources, coach, assistant coach, there are some times it's pretty, and I don't know how else to use the word, it, lonely. Mm-hmm. You're, you're kind of out on a ledge sometimes, and uh, that's why it's imperative you marry the right person because coaches and leaders, and I don't know how else to say it, we're a little cuckoo. I mean, we're OCD. We want to make sure things are done properly, and sometimes it's just nobody that we feel like we can open up to, and, and that's what I want to do, and then give them some uh, principles. Uh, and the crazy thing is, you know this, Andrew, and I, I don't know why I did this, but I found it to be so helpful in my life. Probably 15 years ago, I started reading two books a week. Uh, sometimes spiritual, but mainly leadership stuff, just consuming it as well as I read the Bible through every year. But the really, the, the, the both of those combined opened up my eyes to that there's some real uh, information out there to support and uh, help people, including obviously growing myself. Yeah, that's awesome. Well, I look forward to it. I know you're going to do an awesome job with that. Um, you're going to impact a lot of coaches like you have been. Uh, but thank you so much for being with us today, Coach. Appreciate your time. And uh, we'll be back on Friday with Coach Ed Schilling, who is now the assistant coach at Grand Canyon University. 
Um, so we're looking forward to spending that time with him on Friday. But Coach Leary, thank you so much for being with us. Thank you. And uh, you got a great guy there in Ed Schilling. He's a great man. Appreciate you, Andrew. Thank you for this time. All right. Have a great one. See you.